You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey everyone, happy Monday. It's Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Hope you had a great weekend, a football-filled weekend, even though our Cincinnati Bengals didn't play. There was a lot of good football, a lot of interesting and surprising football that was played on Super Wild Card Weekend, right? Isn't that what they coined it? I mean, it's just kind of like a, (laughs) almost sounds like a a car ad or something a car sales ad but uh hope you enjoyed all of the football that was played a lot of afc north football was played including two teams going against each other we'll talk about that we've got a lot to get to on the monday water cooler chat and why do we name it that so that you whether you're virtual or actually in an office when you're chatting with some co-workers whether it's about Bengals football whether it's about the nfl whether it's about the playoffs We get you updated on all kinds of stuff, so you sound like the smartest person in your office when you're talking about some football, some pigskin, with your colleagues, with your friends, with your family. And we hope that all of you are safe. We hope all of you are healthy with this new year. Uh, Been an interesting start to it so far in 21, but hopefully it's moving in the right direction and upward, onward from 2020, right? Uh, So if it's your first time joining us since the new year, Glad to have you with us. We've got a lot to get to. Hello, everybody. I'm getting a lot of hellos and Loki. Love you, Anthony and John. Hey, Loki. Love you back, man. Uh, Antoine, good to see you. Robert Rourke, good to see you. Uh, We've got a lot to get to. I'm going to share a lot of stuff uh, for you to see visually and, uh, you you know, some stuff for you to hear if you're the on the audio side. So we've got a lot to get to. We're going to talk a lot of Cincinnati Bengals in terms of coaching and all of that, a uh, little bit of news on, on uh, for players, free agency, impending um, draft, that sort of thing. We will uh, we'll we'll get to all of that. We'll run down some things with the playoffs and give you a couple of fun things to digest. As even though the Bengals aren't playing football anymore at this point in the season, uh, we, there's still a lot of news. And you know, even though the Cincinnati Bengals uh, did not make the amount of potential coaching changes that I think a lot of people would have wanted. There were a couple that were made that they feel will be impactful. And we'll talk about that in the direction they made. And and one of them in particular was a very, very good move for this football team. Very kind of a surprising move, but we'll get to that in a second. But first things first, ladies and gentlemen, we got to, we, we got to go here. I'm sure everybody's seen it at this point. This is from, the Bengals 
Twitter account, but Joey B is back in the building. He is back at Paul Brown Stadium. He was staying somewhere in my neck of the woods in Southern California, and you can see it here in just a second based on his attire. He's still rocking the workout shorts in the wintertime Cincinnati weather, but he is back in the facilities and getting some work in. He's not walking on crutches or anything like that. This is kind of a big storyline. We followed the interview on on the herd from Colin Cowherd last week, uh, and you know he's saying he's he feels he's confident in playing week one, starting week one. Here's a little bit from the Bengals Twitter account here, and hopefully you can hear it. Rolling up in the Porsche, nonetheless. watch it one more time one more time here he is rolling up to the facilities here joey b workout shorts with the jacket got the mask on he's ready to roll short clips like this make you make you hopeful um that things are moving in the right direction not only for his rehab but uh, for the cincinnati Bengals and their outlook going forward gustavo como esta senor from Mexico. Good to have you with us, my friend. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, Antoine, thanks, bud. Appreciate it. We love you back. So, Joey B, back in the building for the Cincinnati Bengals, coming in strong, no crutches, nothing. He's just, he's cruising in. Um, weather's a little gloomy, I guess, in Cincinnati, but a little sunshine, I guess, coming in with Joey B coming back to the building. If you have not seen that yet, that was from this morning from the Cincinnati Bengals official Twitter account. A little bit of jazzy tune there as he's rolling in with the Porsche and coming into the facility. So, um, hey, look, little things, a little 13-second clip for you there, but it's these little things we got to cling to this offseason in terms of hope. And by the way, if you're wanting to, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit, if you're wanting some hope as a Cincinnati Bengals fan, you got some in the form of what you saw at Heinz Field last night. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Let's keep going on here. It felt like a music video, Antoine Malone. I know it did, huh? Uh, I wish I could take credit for the production value there, but I, I, I can't. I'm just passing that along for all of you. By the way, Cincinnati Bengals social media game stepped up big time this last year as opposed to years past. I know they, they hired a couple of people, and I, I don't know, you know, there's a couple of people out there that I know we follow on Twitter and whatever, but... Um, kudos to that team because they've really stepped up their game in terms of audio, visual quality, their content, all of that. So I know we like to dog on the Cincinnati Bengals and what they don't do, but that side of the house has really been, uh, you know, a plus this year. If you've been following them on social media, they've been pretty strong this year. So, uh, Hey, let's, let's keep going here. Uh, where do we want to start? in terms of Bengals news. You know what? Let's start here. And this this may be stuff that you guys have already seen or heard, but we need to go through it because we haven't taken the air for a little bit. And I'm going to start sharing some stuff. Most of it is from cincyjungle.com. So you can find the news there. Here's one right here. Guy continues to get snubbed but gets a little bit of recognition here. Jesse Bates, Bengals safety, who had an outstanding season, was voted to the All-Pro second team by the Associated Press. 
Um, probably deserving of a first team nomination, but Tyron Matthew and the other safety is escaping me. Uh, oh yeah, Minka, Minka Fitzpatrick beat him out for first team AP all pro nominations, but he did make the second team, uh, at a minimum deserving of that snub from the pro bowl but makes it to the second team all pro team. So congratulations to Jesse Bates, really the only true accolade that the Bengals, we may get an all rookie team designation from, from T Higgins. We'll see. I mean, Justin Jefferson as a wide receiver is really running away with that one. Chase Claypool had a nice year as well. So we'll see what happens with T Higgins there, but um, you know, really the Bengals got really shut out, especially with Joe Burrow getting injured, shut out on a lot of different awards this year. So Good to see him get at least some recognition after getting snubbed from the Pro Bowl, snubbed from a first-team recognition. Jesse Bates gets a second-team All-Pro designation in case you missed that one. Speaking of T. Higgins and what the Bengals have been doing in terms of the draft, look, the 2019 draft was pretty atrocious and still remains, a for all the picks they had, remains a thorn in the side in terms of Zach Taylor's tenure as an NFL head coach and as the Bengals head coach. But this year's class, um, and I guess you can kind of credit the fact that they had top picks in, in all of the rounds, but this year's class was pretty outstanding despite Joe Burrow going down late in the season. Joe Burrow was outstanding. T. Higgins was outstanding. Logan Wilson, though he missed a couple of games with injuries and they limited his snaps a bit, he was he was making some plays out there and seemed to be in the right place at the right time. Uh, so, you know, you like, you like what you've seen from that class there. Um, you know, you had Akeem Davis Gaither making a few plays, Marcus Bailey getting some snaps at the, at the end, same with Khalid Kareem. Um, you had Hakeem Adeniji inserted in the starting lineup because of injuries. So, you know, top to bottom guys were contributing. And so where we're going here is pro football focus, ranking the Bengals rookie class, number one in the NFL in terms of their metrics. So you can check out exactly what this is. This is on um, cincyjungle.com. You can see here Cincinnati fielded. This is from Anthony Trache of, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, of Pro Football Focus. Quote, Cincinnati fielded the second most valuable first round rookie and the second most valuable second round rookie, referring to Burrow and Higgins. Quote, and Joe Burrow, whom they selected first overall, was on pace to be the most valuable rookie in the entire class this year before suffering a season-ending knee injury in Week 11. So uh, a little more here. Go check out all the quotes. I don't want to belabor the point here, but a really good indication as to where the Bengals are headed, even though you know they've had six wins and a tie in the Zach Taylor era. This, this draft class seems to be very effective for this team going forward. Now, we talked about coaching changes. We talked about coaching changes. Yeah, Mark Fry, I think you're right about the Pro Bowl being canceled, by the way. Um, but you still get the Pro Bowl designation, the nomination, I believe, um, for the Pro Bowl. But all pro really is, <coughs> excuse me, more of the, I guess there's a little more, you know, celebration and or uh, – prestige with that nomination, obviously, over the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl kind of becomes a little bit of a pop, more of a popularity contest. But, hey, the All-Pro, if you look at the All-Pro thing that we just talked about a couple minutes ago, that's also kind of a 
a popularity contest as well in terms of how the AP votes on that one. So at any rate, uh, big news. I think a lot of people are excited about this, and I personally am surprised about this. The Bengals, look, the one, the guy who had to fall on the sword this offseason is, of course, Jim Turner for the in the offensive line. If you heard Dave Lapham on one of the Bengals podcasts that he does, um, he talked about how Jim Turner um, was kind of more of the drill sergeant type of guy. And I think we knew that. He has a Marine background. We, we know about the bullying thing um, back in Miami. There's a little bit of a reputation there. So he's kind of a yell, yell, yell guy. Um, I, I suppose that's kind of the background. And, you know, some people respond to that. Some players do not. And, you know, they, they want to be also taught, you know, obviously they need to be corrected. And sometimes if they repeat mistakes, that needs to be pointed out. But, um, you know, at any rate, his personality apparently was grading in the offensive line room. If you ask Dave Lapham, you can go find that quote on, on a recent podcast episode that he was on. But Bengals hire back Frank Pollock, who left after the 2018 season. And if you remember the 2018 season, Pollock had very, very little to work with in terms of offensive line talent. And what he did with that offensive line and what he was able to do with the running game with an offense that was so one-dimensional, no AJ Green, um, no, you know, no Andy Dalton. I mean, it was, it was just kind of, uh, you know, Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon at that point, Jeff Driscoll was playing quarterback. Um, and Joe Mixon was one of the most productive offensive players, not only running backs, but offensive players in that final stretch of that season. Well, Enter Zach Taylor, Frank Pollock leaves, and uh, he's he's bounced around a little bit, was most recently with the Jets. And the Bengals interviewed Hank Fraley, a guy who was the Lions offensive line coach, a, a pretty well-respected guy. They didn't go that direction. They went with Frank Pollock back as the offensive line coach. And here's the thing. He is the run game coordinator. And while that sounds vague, while that sounds like, well, what, I mean, what does that even mean? What, you know, all of that. My understanding is that obviously that coach not only works with the offensive line, but works in conjunction with the running backs coach, the offensive coordinator, and in the Bengals case, Zach Taylor, who calls the plays on offense, assuming he will continue to do that in year three, um, to concoct great running schemes and schemes that are conducive to the talent's on the offensive line. This is a new position for the Cincinnati Bengals in terms of a coaching staff position. But if you look back, a lot of us wanted Zach, or, or expected Zach Taylor to emulate the Sean McVay Rams coaching tree type of style and obviously the offensive system and everything because he came from that. And that's really, I mean, the, the production and the innovation that came from the LA Rams and Sean McVay is really what kind of got Zach Taylor's name out there and his foot in the door, aside from working at UC as well, and being a little bit of a local guy for the Bengals. But here's the thing. The Rams currently employ a run game coordinator. And in Zach Taylor's first two seasons, they did not have a run game coordinator nor a passing game coordinator like the Rams employ. If you remember when Zach Taylor was interviewed and then eventually hired with the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals also interviewed a guy with the Rams named Shane Waldron. He was their passing game coordinator and, and worked at kind of an offensive assistant. Uh, 
he has since kind of moved up the chain a little bit. But the point is, is this run game coordinator designation is something that is it comes from the LA Rams, Sean McVay system. And by the way, the, the LA Rams, in case you missed it, won this weekend. So congratulations to McVay, Andrew Whitworth and company. Andrew Whitworth came in after a significant knee injury and started this postseason game. So absolute warrior there, but that's a, that's a side note. The point being the Bengals got back a guy that I, I don't think many of us believed would come back there. We kind of thought maybe there was a little bit of a, I don't know if you want to call it a burned bridge, but you know, I mean, He's there. He leaves when a new coach comes in. And then two years later, the coach comes back to that guy that left. So a little bit of an interesting situation there. But obviously, they think there's a connection here. I believe Frank Pollock knows uh, Mike Sherman, who is uh, Zach Taylor's father-in-law. There's there's still a little bit of a familial connection there. But, you know, we can say, oh, yeah, nepotism and, and that sort of thing. But We've seen what this guy was able to do with minimal talent on the offensive line in 2018. The hope now is that they give Frank Pollock some high-end talent, preferably at least one in free agency, to help uh, stabilize that offensive line. Really the only guy he had to work with um, that was a a cemented veteran and a a solid veteran at that time was Clint Bowling. So – um, you know, they had Alex Redman in and out of the lineup. They had Christian Westerman in and out of the lineup. Um, you know, they, they, they kind of were a little bit of a mess when Frank Pollock, in terms of personnel, they were a little bit of a mess when Frank Pollock was there with the Cincinnati Bengals, yet he made some things work towards the end of the season, particularly in the running game. And if you want to know who's probably one of the most excited players about this hire, go look at Joe Mixon. He, he sent out a tweet back in you know, early 2019 saying basically, oh, okay, we're going to let our best coach go. That's how much he thought of Frank Pollock. And now he is absolutely excited that he's not only back as the offensive line coach, but as the running game coordinator. So big hire for the Cincinnati Bengals there. We went a little long on that. I apologize, but big news there. Um, Moving on from that quickly, the Bengals promoted a, an assistant wide receivers coach, Bob Bicknell, the wide receivers coach who had been with the Bengals for a while. He left. There was kind of a mutual decision for him to leave. The Bengals promote Troy Walters to their wide receivers coach. He was the assistant wide receivers coach. I think they feel that they're pretty confident in what he can bring based on the growth seen from T. Higgins. Tyler Boyd remain, remains Tyler Boyd. Yeah, there were some up and ups and downs with A.J. Green this year coming back from the injury and whatnot. But, uh, you know, I think they like the growth out of that group and they feel that staying in-house. And Troy Walters was a guy who played in the NFL for for a while himself. Um, <coughs> excuse me, not only doing stuff on offense, but doing stuff on special teams. Um, he's a guy that they, they feel um, can get the most out of this group. So Troy Walters will now be the wide receiver coach, wide receivers coach after being – um, the assistant wide receivers coach with the team here. I'm Anthony Cazenza. We're going to run through a few more headlines with the Cincinnati Bengals, the NFL playoffs, and whatnot. Thanks for joining us on the Monday Water Cooler Chat on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page, on the Orange and Black Insider YouTube page. Uh, I believe on my left shoulder here, there's a there's a little icon for those tuning into the YouTube channel. You can click on that to get not only 
that our orange, orange and black insider podcast content, but the chalk talk episodes from Matt Minnick, apparently he is going to be doing some stuff this off season on Joe Burrow and other film reviews. So you're going to want to keep it to that as well as all the content that we put out. And also the orange is the new black fellas, Ace and Zim who uh, are on our Cincy jungle podcast channel. If you're, if you're on the audio side, uh, go give their YouTube channel a follow as well. They do some great stuff over there too. So thanks for your support last year. Thanks for it continuing into this year. And we look forward to bringing you more and more content. One other thing that is interesting, speaking of coaching and the Cincinnati Bengals, Marvin Lewis has been getting some run here. And uh, as of yesterday morning, this is from Patrick Judas on CincyJungle.com. Marvin Lewis is quote in play for the Lions head coaching position. Um, He, since leaving the Cincinnati Bengals, he kind of was in the announcer booth for the now defunct uh, AAF league that was there. And then he joined Arizona state uh, the past two seasons and was even a co-defensive coordinator, I believe with the, uh, the former giants linebacker, his name escapes me right now, Antonio Pierce, I believe um, uh, with, with the sun devils there. So uh, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, says that, uh, you know, Marvin's kind of maybe one of the front runners for that job there. He had, he had been interviewing with the Texans and I believe the jets as well. So he's getting, he's getting some run here and, uh, you know, I'm seeing kind of mixed reviews from other fan bases in terms of the idea of bringing Marvin Lewis to that, to their team as a head coach. They obviously point to the own seven playoff record, but, I still think that Marvin Lewis, if you kind of give him a chance to solely focus on a rebuild, the roster, and coaching instead of all the other ancillary things that come with the Cincinnati Bengals coaching position, I still think you may have a little bit of a different result than what we saw in his tenure. Could be wrong about that. Who knows? But I do think that he does deserve at least one more small stint, another shot as a head coach in the NFL to at least see what he can do. Um, he also may be a guy that could be a successful college head coach. Uh, and, and maybe that's something he thinks about as well. I don't know if the recruitment aspect appeals to him or not, but regardless, Marvin Lewis, a couple of years after leaving the Cincinnati Bengals, now getting quite a bit of run with, uh, around the league with head coaching positions that are open quickly, not to (laughs) keep rehashing some, Open wounds, I guess. There was an interesting, I believe it was from the Players' Tribune, interesting article by Carlos Dunlap um, talking about just how disenchanted he was before his arrival in Seattle. Uh, it's a long, well, it's not a long, long article, but, you know, it's it's a little, little bit of a read. I would recommend, and it's written by him, I would recommend you read it. Uh, he doesn't necessarily trash the Bengals or anything like that, but he kind of noted that his you know, his desire and uh, all of that was definitely lessened these past couple of years under Zach Taylor and Lou Anarumo. And so you see this headline here, Carlos Dunlap contemplated retirement before mid-season trade to Seattle. Um, And then if you want to know exactly what Pete Carroll and the Seahawks, the Seahawks way mean, to a player, uh, definitely read that article. You know, he, he became charged up. Pete Carroll's 
attitude is infectious. However, Seattle surprisingly lost. So Carlos Dunlap still does not have a playoff win. He is, gosh, what would he be now? Um, 0-6, 0-7 in the playoffs because he wasn't there for uh, – now he'd be 0-6, 0-6 uh, in the postseason because he wasn't there for – 2005 and 2009, but he was there for 11 through 15. And then, of course, this one here with Seattle. So he has yet to win, win a postseason game, a surprising loss at home by Seattle against the Rams, who were playing with a backup quarterback because Jared Goff had a, had a thumb injury. So really, really, John John Wolford. And then he left the game with like a neck injury, scary neck injury. Then Goff came in. Kind of a messy deal, but really, really surprising to a lot of people, myself included, that Seattle lost that game at home. They just don't, they just don't lose at home very often, much less in the postseason. So, but regardless, Carlos Dunlap, uh, he he remains a Seahawk. I believe he's still got another year or two on his contract. I'd have to look, but he should be there next year, and maybe they make another run at it. But he remains winless in the postseason, whereas a guy that he went up against and a guy he probably went up against in practice quite often. And there were a couple of snaps in the game, believe it or not, Carlos Dunlap usually lined up on throughout the season with Seattle um, against the right tackle. But there were a couple of snaps early in the game where, where Carlos Dunlap and Andrew Whitworth went up against each other in that game. And that was just weird seeing two guys who were longtime Bengals go up against each other in different uniforms. Speaking of the playoffs, before we get to the bracket, I gotta, I gotta play something from our buddy Bengal Jim Foster. Uh, this is from his, and it's a couple minutes, but in case you don't follow him on Twitter, he's, he's a really fun follow. Not only is he really positive, we've had him on this show before, by the way, and I've been on his. So I recommend you go check out, I believe it's Tuesday night football with, with Bengal Jim. Um, he does it through social media, really fun show. He's got a lot of good guests and whatnot, but, uh, he shares, he shares a lot of historical stuff, which being a longtime fan of the team myself, I find very, very entertaining. This was because yesterday I believe was the, gosh, what would that been? The, the 40th anniversary of the, the freezer bowl, the second coldest game ever played in NFL history. Bengals beat the chargers in that game to go to their first Super Bowl appearance. Here's a little bit of this clip. Uh, I guess the Bengals are kind of doing the walk-off here for the win, and you can see the old riverfront rocking here, and I want to play this for you. It's about two minutes, but um, well worth it for Bengals fans. You see a lot of familiar faces, and even though the Bengals weren't playing this weekend in the postseason, you can kind of cling to this one for a little bit of memory. Cincinnati. Back in LA. Put this kick away. 
Negative, gosh, what do you say? Negative 59 on the uh, wind chill? Good Lord. Sounds miserable. But the Bengals came to play that day. Uh, kind of a fun memory for those maybe too young to remember. Maybe you are old enough to remember. Maybe if you're tuning into this show, maybe you were there. Maybe you were there at that game. And that was an iconic NFL game, even though it was ugly with the weather and all of that. An iconic NFL game. I saw that courtesy of Bengal Jim Foster, a great follow on social media. And uh, he always plays these cool little clips like that. And that was a really, really cool little walk down memory lane. I know it's it was a couple of minutes, but I thought you all might enjoy that since we didn't get to see the Cincinnati Bengals play this postseason. A lot of familiar faces there. Ken Anderson, Reggie Williams, Chris Collinsworth, Isaac Curtis, a lot of familiar, familiar. Pat McNally. By the way, that punt, I don't know if you saw him punt the ball. How, how much do you think that felt like kicking a cinder block 30 yards? Good Lord. That thing must have been just so so hard <laughs> because it was frozen solid that football my god um but cool stuff thanks jim appreciate you uh sharing that with Bengals fans there let's keep it rolling though quickly here is your before we get to some free agency stuff here is the updated let me make sure i've got this correctly here yep here is the updated Playoff bracket, courtesy of Sporting News. Share this with you in case you have not seen it. This is courtesy of Sporting News here. The Chiefs had the bye week. They get to host the Cleveland Browns, who absolutely stomped on the Pittsburgh Steelers. No pun intended there. We'll talk about some stuff with that game in just a minute. Uh, we do have some more Bengals talk to get to, too, by the way. So, Stick with us here. It's not just going to be about this. We've got we've got one more thing Bengals related to get to at the end of the show. But the Bills edge out the Colts. That was a really entertaining game. Um, they move on, uh, and they will host the Ravens. And the Ravens beat Tennessee on uh, – <laughs> with some fanfare. We'll get to that in a sec too. But, um, yeah, Ravens beat Tennessee. Ten they get some – Vengeance for last year. So Baltimore will travel to Buffalo for the divisional round here. You've got the Chiefs hosting the Browns, who just really took it to the Steelers. Got off to a really big lead. I think it was 21-0 before you could blink 
Um, and then you've got the Bills hosting the Ravens. Uh, the Bills-Ravens game should be a very, very interesting one. Two very well-rounded teams. So uh, <clears throat> I don't want to count the Browns out just yet, but that's a daunting situation going into Kansas City, um, a rested Kansas City Chiefs team. On the other side, uh, Green Bay had the had the bye as well as the one seed. They now host the Rams after the Rams shock. I mentioned this earlier. They shocked the Seahawks. So Rams go to Lambeau. Conceivably, I think Jared Goff will come back in and be the starter. Uh, he played a little bit in relief of John Wolford this week. And then now, um, you know, another week to heal that thumb. One would think that he would be back and um, we'll be starting for the Rams there. The Saints take care of the Bears, man. The Bears offense is just especially at the quarterback position. It is just really, really rough to watch at times. So the Saints host their division rival, the Buccaneers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, going against each other. A um, couple of all-timers there after the Bucks have a close one against Washington, a 7-9 team that won its division, came into the postseason, had Taylor Heineke um, starting for them, and that kid made a game of it for sure. But uh, Tom Brady – and company prevail on the road because Tampa Bay had, I believe, um, gosh, four more wins than Washington, but they had to travel because Washington was a division winner. So now they travel again to New Orleans. The Saints host the Buccaneers for the divisional matchup there. So that's where we're at with the playoff bracket. And this image is courtesy of Sporting News. Hope you enjoyed that. Here's a couple of things with these games. I'm just going to, a lot of noise being talked. But especially with the AFC North teams, a lot of chatter. So let's let's start with I, let's start with the Browns and Steelers game. As we know, Juju Smith-Schuster really likes to talk, and even when he says, "I'm going to shut it down, I'm not going to talk, I'm not going to, I'm going to do my thing," he still likes to talk. Still likes to talk. And what he said this week was basically something to the effect of, you know, there's a lot of no names, a lot of, you know. I think he called them, quote, gray faces, basically people he doesn't really know or recognize on the Cleveland team because it's, quote, unquote, Cleveland, and they are used to beating them, and it's the same people that they are used to beating. Um, well, you know, sometimes we wonder if some of these words by players or coaches or whatever, you call it, oh, it's Bolton board material. Well, I mean, sometimes you wonder, is that actually true? Do you really care? Or do you just kind of study and you go out there and you do what you can? Well, sometimes there's some evidence that there is such a thing as bulletin board material in the NFL. And Juju Smith-Schuster seems to be kind of the, the guy that gives bulletin board material to a lot of different teams, including two in the AFC North. One, of course, being the Bengals before that Monday night game and Von Bell putting the lick on him right around midfield when Juju Smith-Schuster was doing his pregame dance and said he was going to do it. And leading up to that week, Von Bell said, you know, he didn't like that idea. And, you know, we're just going to go out and play. And, of course, big play that ended up kind of basically being the major difference in the Bengals getting a big win against Pittsburgh on Monday night. Here's just a quick tweet from Jarvis Landry last night. Um, Nobody believed but us, Corvette, Corvette. Obviously, hashtag Corvette, Corvette is a um, – reference to you know a song and whatnot that juju uh usually dances to on the midfield line but this is this is just proof that sometimes when you run your mouth teams notice teams hear that and 
if you don't back up your words, you know, you're going to, you're going to hear about it from the other side. And uh, the Bengals let Juju know about it. Uh, Jarvis Landry let him know about it as well. So, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's just better maybe to put your head down and worry about playing and studying the playbook and worrying about what's ahead in the week instead of talking about other teams and what they're doing, who's on their team. Just, just go out and do your job sometimes, I guess. Maybe that's just the old school mentality in me here. Let's, I've got a few more things to share and then we're going to pop on out of here. Appreciate you hanging with us on Monday getting you caught up with all of the NFL, AFC North, and Cincinnati Bengals news here. I'm going to share this one. This is from the Titans versus Ravens. Speaking of dancing on midfield logos and whatnot, uh, apparently the Titans did this. I, I was I, I must have kind of missed it a little bit, but it was either this year or last year in the postseason, maybe both, but – um, you know, the Ravens remember this stuff. So this is, again, Bolton board material. This is from the Twitter account NFL update. Um, this video here. So you can see if you're if you look down below, it's 20 to 13, literally at the two minute warning. Uh, Tennessee has the ball trying to drive to get the tying score or maybe a score to get the ball back, that sort of thing, because they have three timeouts here. And what ensues is. Um, you know, again, a lot of a lot of back talk from another team. Watch him go the, the entire defense. Stomping on the logo. So, uh, you know, I mean, these these guys remember this this kind of this kind of talk and these actions, and I, you know, the logo thing is kind of becoming a a very territorial type of thing around the league, especially with with AFC North teams. So, um, you know, the Bengals didn't like it when Juju did it on their logo. Apparently, the Ravens remember when the Titans did it. So uh, they gave it back to the Titans and the Ravens ultimately won that game. They move on, as I mentioned, um, into the playoffs and they go to Buffalo to face. But by the way, Buffalo, congratulations. What is it? 25 year. I didn't even mention this. If anyone knows the plight of being a Bengals fan, Buffalo's Buffalo Bills fans do because they waited 25 years for that team to win a playoff game. And they did. You saw grown, big, large human beings, men, women, Children crying in the stands because they were so happy they had waited so long for Buffalo to win a playoff game. So congratulations to the Bills, even if they don't make it much farther. Uh, they have waited a long, long time. And the Browns, too. I mean, I, I don't want to congratulate them because I don't really like the Browns, but the Browns did wait a long time to get a playoff win, and I'm sure their fan base is satisfied. It's kind of, I guess, for a lot of Bengals fans, them beating the Steelers, it's you know, lesser of two evils, I guess. Um, I wasn't really happy with the outcome regardless, personally speaking, but, um, you know, I wouldn't have been happy either way. So uh, that's kind of the rea reality there. Let's share a couple more things. This is just a quick report. Since we're talking about the Ravens, this is from Ian Rappaport. Um, the Texans who are seemingly interviewing everybody 
for their head coaching position uh, vacancy there. The Texans are expected to interview Ravens assistant and head uh, assistant head coach and wide receivers coach David Culley for their head coaching job. Uh, Harbaugh has been outspoken about how ready Culley is an impressive coach. So the, while they can't, you know, they may be able to do some interview stuff and some preliminary things. They can't, you know, they can't announce a hire of a coach until, you know, a team is eliminated from the postseason. So, uh, you know, if the Ravens continue on and this guy, Coley, is the Texans guy that they want to hire, they have to wait. I mean, if you remember, that's exactly what happened with the Bengals and Zach Taylor. They had to wait because the Rams were on a Super Bowl run. So, um, but a Ravens assistant coach, their assistant head coach and wide receivers coach um, is in the mix for the Texans head coaching vacancy. The Texans have just interviewed all kinds of people for their GM job, for their head coaching job. And they are not going down the same road. At least it doesn't appear so that they did with Bill O'Brien in terms of having a head coach slash GM. They're hiring two different people for those respective positions. Yeah. Robert, Robert Rourke saying, uh, ask Dabo about ranking the Buckeyes 11th. Yeah. See, sometimes that talk, it'll come back and bite you. It'll come back and bite you. So if you're going to, if you're going to put that kind of stuff out there, you better be pretty confident and you better come to play. Uh, otherwise, that's going to come back and haunt you for, for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, actually, Mark Fry, good point. The logo stuff started way back with Terrell Owens. Yeah, I remember he did the on the, the when he, I think he was on the 49ers. He did it on the Cowboy Star. And I think it was Darren Woodson. Maybe it was Roy Williams, old Bengals guy. I have, to, I have to go back and look. But someone really knocked him off the logo, like after a touchdown celebration. And he did it again. And oh, T.O. Gotta love T.O. Love that guy. Uh, all right. So we've let's end here. We've talked a lot. There's a lot of names here, and I've got some notes because you know what? You guys, a couple of you guys got on me last week because I misspoke slightly on a AFC North, three teams in the playoffs type of thing. It was a, a minor gaffe on my fault, my, my fault here, but that's okay. Uh, you can get on me on that, but um, I, I took a little notes for this next one because I wanted to make sure I give as much accurate information as possible. I don't want to be inaccurate when I'm doing this kind of stuff. So this is, again, Pro Football Focus is a major entity in terms of relying on data and metrics and all that kind of stuff to, um, you know, formulate opinions on players and a lot of you know, a lot of personnel men in the league use PFF metrics in, in terms of constructing their roster. Now, um, there there are, I think most people would agree, there are some flaws, whether they're minor or major or what have you. There are some flaws and in, in imperfections in the way that they gather this data. But it is, um, you know, largely a very reliable type of system. And it is a very thorough system in terms of grading players. That being said, they just recently released their top 100 impending free agents going into next year. There are a couple of major Bengals players on this list and a, a lot of Bengals play a lot of former Bengals on, on this list. There are, you know, there are a lot of interesting names that haven't been connected with the Bengals that are on this list. So I'm going to run through quickly some of this. And I think that you all would be best served to look at this list. It's a very, very interesting list. There are some names that could be fits for the Bengals. And obviously there are some opinions on some of their impending free agents that may open some eyes. If you wonder 
what people outside of the Bengals bubble feels about them. So let's go. We'll go towards the bottom here. Um, just kind of breaking down some things. It's a long, long list here. Here's here's some things I made notes of. Okay, in terms of people that Bengals could uh, could look at who they're potentially targeting positions. Tack McKinley, a guy that the Bengals had for like a day, and then he he finished. Here he is right here. He, he ended up being waived because he failed a physical. Same thing happened with the San Francisco 49ers after they claimed him. And then the Raiders got him, and then somehow he was healthy with the Raiders. Um, so he is a guy off the edge that could be a guy that the Bengals look at now that he's healthy again. He's number 93 on this list. The very next guy, a guy, and again, this isn't guys that I necessarily am jumping up and down for. You got to also think about, think of the confines in which the Bengals operate in free agency. Matt Filer, a guy who is a, a tackle is number 92. Uh, and he has extensive start, according to Pro Football Focus, extensive starting experience with the Steelers at both right tackle and inside left guard. Um, so he has never earned an overall PFF grade lower than 65, and he is under 30 years old. So this is a guy that maybe the Bengals look at and get, you know, a little bit of an under the radar guy, but could help out their offensive line. Knows the AFC North could be a guy that could help them out at least for depth purposes. Um, but, uh, you know, that's a guy that kind of stuck out to me. You could go up to 89, Gary and Conley, a cornerback. If the Bengals decide to let Mackenzie Alexander and, or William Jackson walk, he's a guy that you can look at, you know, the Bengals, I know he doesn't blow your hair back necessarily, but again, the Bengals like those former first round picks that they can try and rehabilitate. If they've been a bit of a disappointment, they like to do that. So that could be a guy that they look at. There, you've got Hassan Reddick, speaking of former first-round picks, an edge guy, a very, um, you know, a very versatile player, a guy who's done a lot of different stuff. He had a really strong finish for the Cardinals this this week, a former, I think he was a top 15 pick. So um, uh, a guy that I think, I, I think the Bengals may have looked at a little bit in that draft, but he is a guy that I think could be um, interesting for the Cincinnati Bengals. And then if you go up here a little bit, you've got a guy that I think the Bengals should re-sign based on what he gave them this year. Number 80 comes Mackenzie Alexander, the slot corner for the Bengals. Um, he, he didn't have a great grade by their metrics, but I, this to me is a guy that kind of you know, you kind of watch the tape and it, there's maybe a little bit of a disparity in terms of, you know, if you watch him just as a, from a holistic opinion or a holistic view, um, you know, you kind of see a little bit different than what they're grading. But I mean, you know, and, he, you know, you may want you may still want to see the formula of William Jackson, Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander on the field at the same time, the way it was designed. So um they're predicting that the Bears sign Alexander, but he's a guy I think a lot of Bengals fans wouldn't mind seeing back based on his play at slot corner this year. So uh, he comes in at number 80. You know, there's a couple of other guys. Uh, Matt Judon at number 73 here uh, with the Ravens. He's an interesting guy, obviously played there. So that could be a guy as the Bengals look for some edge help. We know that they want to do that, uh, whether it's in the draft or in 
free agency. And look, the Bengals got to probably spend, whether it's on offensive line or defense, they're going to need to spend um, a bit. And including some of these guys that we're going to talk about in a second, Nelson Aguilar, a guy who, you know, the Bengals may need some free agency wide receiver help. He's a guy who really struggled in Philadelphia, but had a really nice year this year, over 900 yards and eight touchdowns. So he could be a guy they look at as a veteran, cheaper veteran option if they're letting go of A.J. Green, et cetera. Leonard Floyd comes in at 58. Bud Dupree, edge rusher, comes in at 55. He's down here. Sorry for all the scrolling here. Bud Dupree at 55. Uh, interestingly enough, Marvin Jones is at 47. Look who's at 35. I'll, I'll scroll up for you. Look who's at number 35, our old friend Andy Dalton. It comes in at 35 on this list. So, um, you know, he finished 24th in PFF grade among quarterbacks with at least 150 dropbacks. Does that sound familiar? That 24th, <laughs> 24th-ish area. And then you have to wait a while from 80 with Mackenzie Alexander. You go to 28 and 28, Carl Lawson. He's the 28th rated player in this free agency class per PFF. Um, and, you know, they really credit the pressures that he has, uh, that he's generated, as well as, you know, you take away a Carlos Dunlap, you take away Sam Hubbard for a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of games there, and he still played uh, pretty well for being the only guy really on the, you know, the Bengals defense who could consistently rush the passer. Sam Hubbard played well down the stretch for sure. Um, a lot of that was against the run, but he did play well down the stretch. This is an interesting one, and I know it won't sit well with Bengals fans, but look who's number 24, Juju. He's only 24 years old. He's been productive, can be a guy that you can move around a little bit. He's played the outside a little bit when Antonio Brown was hurt. He's been primarily a little bit more inside now over the past couple of years. You've had a struggling Big Ben. Um, you've, he was hurt all of last year. I don't know. Maybe he's an option that they look at, but he's got to keep his mouth shut if he is. Probably not. Um, I just I think he'll probably get more money than people think, and he could uh, he could command more. Here we go. We'll, we'll kind of end it here on the on the last two. William Jackson coming in at number seventeen on this list. Cornerback William Jackson coming in at seventeen. He is above Richard Sherman, ranked higher than Richard Sherman on this list, ranked higher than Desmond King the guy who played for the Chargers and was with the Titans, a really interesting player as well. So um, number 17, William Jackson. Now, I don't know if the Bengals are going to want to go long-term contract or try to get a long-term contract. I tend to think that maybe a franchise tag situation would be in play here because Jackson has still been inconsistent with injuries. Um, he's kind of missed games here and there. Um, and there's, you know, there's a lot to like in terms of low passer rating and pass deflections and all that stuff, but there are still some issues with dropped interceptions and other things like that. So it's it's kind of really good in some areas and then a few yeah buts. Uh, I do think that the Bengals would be best served to, to re-sign him, though, for sure. Um, has to work for both sides, but I, I think they need to hang on to that guy. And then up here, one last one here, Shaq Barrett, a guy that the Bengals had a deal in place for a couple of off seasons ago, and then they pulled it because apparently they thought he was injured and all he has done, you know, he had a 20 sack season last year. 
Um, and then he was really, you know, really productive again this year. So, um, you know, a, a good player that could be had if the Bengals want to go down a familiar well there. So I wanted to end on that just with some players that struck my attention, at least. I mean, there's a lot on there where you could say, yeah, that could be a fit. That could be a fit. That could be a fit. Um, but you know, uh, you got you to look at need, you got to look at affordability, and you got to look at who the Bengals are losing potentially at what positions, and that way you can say, you, can say, you know, maybe these – I know I'm already seeing – I'm already seeing the, uh, the, the laughs and whatnot about Juju. I know, I know, I get it, but stranger things have happened. Bengals have four impending free agents at wide receiver. They need to get younger and better. Um, I don't know if Juju's better than a lot of players that they that they have or that they're losing, but um, hey, he's one of many on there that could fit. Was my point? One of many, and we, we were just talking about him. I had to bring him up. You we were just talking about him. I was actually surprised that they rated him that high. To be honest with you, I thought he'd be kind of lower half, lower um, fifty to hundred, not necessarily one through forty nine. So I was a little surprised about that, but. At any rate, go check that out from PFF. Really, really interesting article, and it gives a lot of statistics and metrics on scores on some of these guys. You can say, you know what, this is this is maybe a good fit here. And there may be some guys, you know, we keep talking about the Brandon Scherfs and Joe Toonies of the world for the, for the offensive line, and that would be awesome for the Bengals. Um, but there may be some other guys that could be helpful, um, especially with now a different offensive line coach in place, a run game coordinator designation on that offensive line coach. That could be something where the Bengals end up having, um, you know, a little more success. I went way longer than I thought I would go. I, gosh, I say that like every episode, but you guys are too much fun. You're too much fun talking about all this stuff. I appreciate you all tuning in. We're going to get on out of here for the water cooler chat on Monday. We went through some NFL news. We went through some AFC North news. We went through some Bengals news. Hope you enjoyed it. We're going to keep giving you all kinds of different stuff throughout the week, throughout the off season and into the regular season, including some chalk talk episodes from Matt Minnick, myself, John Sheeran and Matt Minnick will be doing a lot of different breakdowns of prospects so we're going to be going over some film and talking about what we see on some of these guys that could be potential Bengals targets. We'll be doing that and uploading it not only to our YouTube channel, but it will probably be featured as prospect profiles on CincyJungle.com. So keep it there. Check out Ace and Zim on Orange is the New Black, the other podcast on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. We've got all of our shows coming. We're going to keep the momentum rolling that we built last year from all of our shows. We appreciate the support. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you next time. Good day. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.